Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC FM, and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning, and we are pleased to be joined by Bob Interbitzen. He is Product Development Manager with the American Radio Relay League, based in Newington. They are over 100 years old. Good morning to you, Bob. Hello, Aaron, and hello, everyone. And ARRL, as you call it, is reopening and rededicating itself this coming week. So we thought it would be nice to have Bob on. And why don't you start by telling us what the American Radio Relay League does? Sure. So this is an organization that represents the interests of radio amateurs. Uh, Radio amateurs are licensed by the federal government to discover, explore, exploit uh, for the benefit of, of society radio. And so we really enjoy uh, serving the wider amateur radio community in the United States and really around the world. ARL is very much a flagship for uh, amateur radio in the world and headquartered here in Newington, Connecticut. How many members do you have? So we have uh, almost 160,000 members right now. And uh, there's quite a few in Connecticut. I think there are... um, uh, 7,600 licensees in Connecticut. And when you say amateur radio, what radio in particular are you talking about? Is this point-to-point? Is this broadcasting? How does this work? Yeah, this isn't broadcasting. This is two-way communications. It's a federally licensed radio service that has its roots in the very beginning parts of radio when, uh, when just like people wanted to fly and started to explore how to build their own aircraft, radio amateurs started to build their own radios and experiment in radio communications. And that continues to this day. People always want to explore and discover and use and learn about radio. And so this is a community of people who enjoy radio communications. And we have an incredible amount of radio spectrum provided by the federal government that supports the licensed amateur radio service so that we can use radio spectrum in many, many different ways. Everything from what we think about bouncing signals off the atmosphere to talk around the world, to satellite communications, to microwave. We even bounce signals off the moon. It's all two-way. It's intended to create paths of communication between people uh, using the personal communications capability of individuals. There's... 
you know, any number of ways you can communicate today. I'm thinking about all the, the different social media platforms alone. What sets radio apart? Why is there there still a place for this today? Yeah, you know, I'm going to take us quickly to the place of public service, first of all. We have a big country with a lot of land mass and a lot of infrastructure. And sometimes a storm takes down a power line or a communications line or uh, a wildfire impacts an area where there was already not a lot of communications capability. And amateur radio operators in sort of a Yankee Doodle fashion, the the ability to, to know their equipment and to know radio well, are able to rise to those occasions and help their communities when all else fails. We say that a lot in amateur radio, when all else fails, amateur radio. Uh, But it's not amateur radio operators rushing out to the field to help in an emergency. These are people who are trained, who have relationships with the um, emergency operations centers in their communities, Red Cross in their communities. Uh, It's very much a planned, trained, highly skilled community of, of people. So that's one side of amateur radio. And the other side of it is advancing the technical ability of radio and the technical um, uh, prowess that this country has in radio communications. Uh, there are college students all over the United States who have campus radio clubs, and they will become our next generation of RF engineers. Everything surrounding our lives is, is uh, almost dictated by radio. It's woven together by radio communications, from our keyboards and our garage door openers to the streaming television we watch at night and the amount of data that we send back and forth for medical purposes. All of that is radio, and we always have a need for people who uh, have experience in RF communications and people who can uh, both play in the technology aspects and also the communication aspects. And so amateur radio provides that pool of trained resource as well that feeds our colleges and universities with future radio engineers. We had thunderstorms last week, and looking at the storm reports after severe weather, Oftentimes, it's amateur radio operators who report in storm damage, you know, snowfall totals during the winter and other things. So forecasters have a better idea of what's going on on the ground. That's right. I mean, I remember in 2016, uh, during Hurricane Sandy, there were amateur radio operators involved with uh, the National Ocean and Atmospheric Administration uh, Skywarn. And Skywarn, much like weather spotters, are, are radio communication operators who um, uh, share the stuff that they see. And that what's important about amateur radio operators is when those power line goes, when the power lines go down or the power goes out or communications is disrupted in somewhere in some way, amateur radio operators that are part of Skywarn can still share that information uh, so that it reaches NOAA and National Weather Service offices. Uh, even local news pick up. It's not unusual for uh, a, a radio station to say, and we have this information that came in from a amateur radio weather spotter from Skywarn. So Hurricane Sandy in 2016 was a perfect example of, of radio amateurs helping coordinate disaster relief for food deliveries and local shelters, reporting down trees in power lines and getting the information to where it needed to go. In terms of setting up how you you broadcast as an amateur radio operator, is there kind of a, a traffic controller to make sure the, the lines of communication don't get jammed? 
Yeah, we have a system called the Amateur Radio Emergency Service, the ARL ARES program. The Amateur Radio Emergency Service is an extensive network of volunteers all across the United States. Again, trained. Uh, they train all the time. They probably do more training than they do responding to incidents where they're needed because Again, when all else fails, amateur radio needs to kick in and be able to help out in those moments. And so there very much are networks at the local level that are organized by section emergency coordinators and emergency coordinators who know the local communications emergency infrastructure in their community. And they call upon the volunteers within their uh, reach to, to help. And so it might be organizing what we call a net on the air where uh, where traffic, the words that we share back and forth with each other in an emergency, is carried back and forth on that on that frequency, uh, and then ultimately passed on to where it needs to go. It might be that they're identifying the movement of food or water, or um, uh, making that final connection between a hospital and a police station that have been disconnected from each other. And so the amateur radio operators pass that information over amateur radio communications, ultimately passing it off, maybe handwritten or on a computer to the emergency service personnel who need it. At a simple level, we even help out at things like marathons, the Boston Marathon, the New York City Marathon. There's tons of amateur radio operators who use these big events as training for emergencies. And so they help out with the emergency communications infrastructure at large road races and parades. And the American Radio Relay League is based in Newington. You have nearly 100 people at your national headquarters there. Give us an idea of what the functions of, of those folks are. So we have a ton of different programs and services. First of all, this is a membership organization, and we rely on the volunteerism and the support of members to to. Uh, to support the wider amateur radio community. So it's members that support the amateur radio community significantly. And so we serve members. We produce publications, magazines, video content for them. It's very much a, a publishing engine here. The organization has produced a magazine called QST for over 100 years. And QST Magazine is a monthly periodical that members receive we also have a periodical called On the Air magazine, and members receive can receive that as well, and digital editions of our publications, and video content, and a webinar series. So we have staff who are divided up all among those different um, uh, capabilities, but we also have a number of programs. Some amateur radio operators like to participate in On the Air contests. We call that radio sport. Like two weekends ago, there was a big annual event called Field Day where amateur radio operators took to the hills and the parking lots in their communities and the EOCs, and they set up demonstration stations, and they communicated with as many other ham radio operators around the United States, upwards of 35,000 participants uh, nationally, uh, demonstrating amateur radio, but also collecting all the different states and different parts of the country that they could communicate with from uh, a generate, generator-operated radio station out of campground or the Walmart parking lot. This happened all over the United States two weekends ago. And so that event requires a significant amount of support from our staff. And so we have staff here that operate a contest calendar, an event calendar, and support members with all the resources that they need 
to participate in these fun events, including sharing their logs with us and, and, and handing out awards for the winners of some of these events. Uh, we have an education program. Next week, there'll be school teachers here um, virtually this year, but uh, an instructor team that will be here in Newington teaching teachers how to bring radio into their classrooms as a wireless literacy exercise. Some of that may be introducing amateur radio to kids, but it also may just be introducing radio generally to a population that knows very little about radio. I'm amazed at how many young people don't even know that their cell phone is a radio. In fact, it's packed with radios. And so we teach the teachers how to instruct young people about radio communications, satellite communications, the communications that take place on buoys floating in the ocean, uh, that uh, run our robots, all of that will take place in an education series next week with, uh, with school teachers. And it's an all expense paid uh, experience for these teachers who are selected around the United States to take part in the ARL Teachers Institute. It's funded entirely by uh, donations that the organization receives. You are listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Bob Inderbitson. He is Product Development Manager with the American Radio Relay League based in Newington. Now we are in hurricane season. Tell us about how you prepare for big weather events that you can actually predict. Yeah, so all across the Gulf, uh, the Southeast and up the East Coast right now, there's a high level of situational awareness by the amateur radio community. They're already tuned into what the weather is going to be like, paying attention to their relationships in their communities, that are preparing all of them for what may come. And amateur radio operators are charging their batteries and assembling their go kits and, and waiting basically for those relationships to say, yeah, we really need your help. There's a, there's a, a power outage in a community and we're disconnected from uh, the emergency operations center and we need hams to help, uh, to help take care of that. Some of these happen very much under the radar. The amateur radio operators get called upon, they come in, they help out, and then when they're done, they, they, they go back home. And so this happens all the time in the United States for wildfires, for hurricanes. But that's happening right now because of the, um, the, uh, the tropical storm that's heading up the East Coast eventually. We'll, we'll end up with amateur radio operators, all with a heightened level of situational awareness, standing by and ready to help if their communities should need them. Talk about the licensing yep. process if someone wants to become a ham radio operator. Yeah, um, so it's not difficult at all to get an amateur radio license, but you do need to learn a little bit about electronics, a little bit about communications, public service, the incredible spectrum available to the amateur radio service. And so uh, we produce books like the ARL Ham Radio License Manual. It's available from places like Amazon, or if you're in the Newington area, uh, soon you'll be able to return to our lobby and pick up a copy there. But a book like that will basically instruct someone on how to get their amateur radio license. The test questions are actually published in a pool. And so there's many hundreds of questions. So you don't want to memorize the questions of the pool. You want to learn something about electronics and be able to answer the 10 or 15 questions about that part of the test or memorize the frequencies that an amateur radio operator can use uh, when they're communicating on a VHF radio. All of that's covered in the license manuals and the bonus is that many communities have amateur radio clubs that teach classes around the year. And with that book and a, uh, and, a, and a radio club in your community teaching a ham radio class, 
I think that's the best way to go because you could be mentored by the local radio amateurs who will help you. There's a steep learning curve in anything involving technology, and there's plenty of willing radio amateurs that can help lead the way and, and help you uh, prepare for your test. When you're ready to take the test, there's volunteers all across Connecticut, teams that give the exams regularly, and on the ARRL website, we have a link to be able to find exams in your area. What sort of equipment does one need? So it depends on what your interests are in amateur radio. So let me start with mine. I live in an apartment in Glastonbury, Connecticut, and I like to operate portably, but I can't put a big fixed antenna outside my apartment. So I have a tripod antenna with a loop on it, and I'm able to actually communicate digitally with any corner of the globe from my armchair in my living room in my apartment in Glastonbury, Connecticut. No wires, uh, no power. Uh, I'm using a, a battery that I recharge. I'm using a laptop and a Raspberry Pi microcontroller that's a computer that's integrated with the radio. I've cobbled all of this together myself. Uh, some of the equipment is available off the shelf, but I also used a lot of information provided by other radio amateurs on how to assemble this station uniquely. I'm using software written by radio amateurs. And I can keyboard messages around the world with other radio amateurs uh, or, or talk on shortwave frequencies with a microphone or use Morse code. We still use Morse code for fun on the air. It's also the challenge of being able to see where you can communicate to on your own using your own equipment. So, uh, so you can do a lot of different things. You can also buy a handheld radio. It looks like a walkie-talkie. We call them handhelds in amateur radio. Uh, and they're sophisticated radios too. Some of them are, are connected together with a communications back, backbone of repeaters on mountaintop locations that take the weak signal from our handheld radio and retransmit it over a longer distance. And so with a handheld radio in the state of Connecticut, I can talk almost anywhere. And some of those are even, even connected to internet-based systems uh, that carry those signals around the world. And then I'm sent out back on radio frequency um, RF in another country talking to somebody on my handheld radio through this sophisticated repeater system. Is there a way if someone is interested to be able to listen in without actually, you know, going on the air themselves? It, it, does that still require a license? Uh, no. So listening to amateur radio frequency, uh, amateur radio frequencies does not require a license. And there's a large community of of shortwave listeners that enjoy listening to amateur radio operators and other things that happen on, on radio. Uh, there's still uh, commercial broadcast and international broadcast around the world on shortwave frequencies. And so shortwave is a great way to tune in. Any type of radio that has a wideband receive, even handheld radios that pick up national weather service and aviation aircraft will sometimes pick up ham radio frequencies as well and give you a chance to listen to some of that. Likewise, if you get your amateur radio license, a lot of the equipment that we have allows radio amateurs to listen to other things as well. We can't transmit on those commercial or public service frequencies, but we get to listen. And so that's a thing that radio amateurs really like to do. We probably spend more time listening than we do talking. Do you have an elaborate setup at your headquarters in Newington? So the cool thing about ARRL headquarters is that back in 1936, um, uh, just before 1936, there was a flood in Connecticut out at Brainerd Field, and ARRL relocated its headquarters station 
to Newington, Connecticut. And that's how we ended up here in 1936. We built a small radio station right on the road here in Main Street, 225 Main Street in Newington. And that station is, is, an, is a um, homage to our founder, co-founder, Hiram Percy Maxim, who was an inventor and entrepreneur in Connecticut and founded this organization. So it's the Hiram Percy Maxim Memorial Station. And there's a few towers on the property that support that station. And we send broadcast, uniquely, we send broadcast messages to the amateur radio community every day from that station so that radio amateurs around the world can hear messages of interest to the amateur radio community. We train the amateur radio community on Morse code. And we also have studios in that station so that visitors or amateur radio operators can talk with each other from the headquarters station here in Connecticut. And it's great fun for, for a longtime member of ARL to want to visit Newington, Connecticut and operate from the Hiram Maxim Memorial Station. Random question. Sometimes on license plates, you see those lightning bolts. Is that amateur radio? It is. Uh, amateur radio, through the work of ARRL and volunteers in Connecticut many years ago, uh, sought legislation that uh, allowed amateur radio call sign plates on, on, our, on our automobile license plates. And so the bolt is, it, um, intersects our amateur radio call sign. So my actual amateur radio call sign is on my license plate in Connecticut with that bolt. And I get a lot of questions in the church parking lot or the grocery store. Oh, what's the lightning bolt for? How do I get one of those? And I'll tell them how to get their amateur radio license and learn a little bit more about ham radio. If people want to learn more about the American Radio Relay League, how can they do that? Yeah, visit www.arrl.org and click on the link, What is Ham Radio? And there's some videos there. There's some content there. And if you're really ready to dive in, look for that book, the ARRL Ham Radio License Manual. The first couple chapters of the book are an introduction to the amateur radio service and a perfect way to get started. Use our search engine and find a radio club in your community and introduce yourself. You'll find that these are, uh, are great members of the community who are willing to help newcomers enjoy radio communications and technology. So this is a bit of a curveball, but I suspect there have been some prominent people in history who have been amateur radio operators who you might not know were. Are you able to give us a couple of those? Yeah, you know, Walter Cronkite was an amateur radio operator. Uh, King Hussein was an amateur radio operator. Uh, Patty Loveless, an amateur radio operator. Barry Goldwater, the senator from Arizona, uh, was an amateur radio operator. Um, and, uh, and a number of the people who, uh, who have supported the production of the TV show with Tim Allen, that production uh, company, many of those folks are amateur radio operators and, the, and, and an amateur radio station often is in the, um, is in the uh, TV show in the background. So uh, lots of instances of amateur radio operators uh, around the United States in government, in public service. Uh, it's not unusual to find a ham radio operator at your own place of employment. A lot of ham radio operators are also active on social media. So it's interesting how one technology kind of complements the other. Yeah, amateur radio, again, has that learning curve. And the best way to learn about amateur radio is to learn from organizations like ARL or from the ham radio operators who are doing cool and amazing things in amateur radio. And so I encourage you to check out the YouTubers 
and the uh, social media channels of many of the ham radio operators around the uh, country. Um, I think of uh, people like uh, uh, Crash Course is a YouTube channel uh, with a great, great uh, um, uh, production quality. Uh, but there's lots of them all across the United States, and they're all big supporters of ARL, and we talk to each other all the time because we're always looking for new things to introduce the amateur radio community. Ham radio operators, for instance, like to build antennas. And so recently we introduced a wire antenna to the amateur radio community that they can build. And so amateur radio operators are sharing those stories on YouTube and what antennas that they're building. He is Bob Interbitzen, Product Development Manager with the American Radio Relay League in Newington. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Uh, thank you. And when we reopen this summer, we'll look forward to welcoming guests and visitors back to Aral headquarters in Newington. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.